following is a presentation of the Match Talk Podcast Network. It's time for the ODU Wrestling Monarch Matcast, a show dedicated to all things related to the Old Dominion Wrestling Program. On the web at monarchmatcast.com. Now, here's your host, three time National Wrestling Writer and Broadcaster of the Year, and 2004 ODU alumnus, Jason Bryant. Episode 64 of the OD Wrestling Monarch Madcast. We have a familiar face, a repeat guest, but it's been a while since he's been on the show. New assistant coach Kevin Beasley returning to Hampton Roads. Coach Beasley, that just sounds weird. That makes me feel old, man. Welcome back to welcome back to Hampton Roads. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Yeah, I like the sound of Coach Beasley. Coach Beasley. I mean, the thing is, that's that's not you. That's your dad. Your dad is Coach Beasley. You're 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 Kevin. How do you deal with that, man? <laughs> right, yeah, it's different. Uh, my dad's always been Coach Beasley, and so to hear the the guys on the team already call me that, uh, uh, it's, it's a little weird, but I like it. So let's just dial it back and and you know kind of set the stage to how you ended up coming back. You were an All American in your you know I don't know nineteen thousandth year of eligibility at Old Dominion. <laughs> then you you take you had a red, typical red shirt. You had an Olympic or a uh, you know basically an act, Olympic activities or a, you know that type of red shirt. You were on the ladder. Then you had the opportunity to go back home and wrestle for the University of Michigan as a graduate student, and you know a lot was made about your your ODU tattoo on on your arm there, and uh, you know you said you were going to cover it up. I didn't see it covered up a whole lot when you were at Michigan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I never I never covered it up. Um, the coaching staff at Michigan was great. With uh, you know they understood I graduated from ODU, um, and, and that was really the only the reason I had the opportunity to wrestle at Michigan was because I did what I had to do at Old Dominion. And, graduated in the four years that I was there academically. Um, and so they, they respected that I, I still took a lot of pride in, in where I came from, uh, from undergrad. And, and so, yeah, they, they were, they were awesome about that. And that never made me cover it up. Was it, you know, going back, looking back on it, you know, ultimately you wrestled that, that last season of eligibility at Michigan, you got hurt at the big 10 tournament. You didn't have a chance to compete at the NCAA championships in the maze and blue, but when you look back on the opportunity, I mean, is, is, what do you look back on with that opportunity, I guess, is the better question. Yeah, well, I got to learn a lot. And I think, you know, given my position now, um, I think it's going to help me tremendously because I got to have um, two different coaching staffs and two different philosophies that I'm going to be able to build upon as a coach. Um, and, and I got to experience that in two different programs. Um, so I got to experience Steve with my five years at ODU um, and I got to experience what that was like. And, you know, we had a couple of different coaches while I was here. Um, but then I got to go to Michigan and and, and learn in a, in a Big Ten room and see what that philosophy was like and see what, what that daily grind was like. Um, so I had two different perspective, perspectives to pull from, which not a lot of coaches have, right? Not a lot of coaches uh, are, got to transfer in their career and experience the different things that I was able to experience. So I think, uh, you know, looking back, it's it's a blessing. Um, what I went through because, uh, you know, I'll be able to pull from a lot of different great minds uh, to help me develop my, my coaching style moving forward. 
you're still active wrestling on, on the international scene, and you've kind of bounced between Greco and freestyle. You were in the World Team Trials Finals a couple years ago in Greco-Roman, sitting there knocking people off at you know at the, at the Open and the Challenge Tournament in freestyle. And you know what are what are your future plans when it comes to international wrestling? As we've got uh, we got an Olympic year coming up in 2020. Right. Yeah, I'm going to finish the quad, and then I'll reevaluate uh, my situation, see what my body feels like. Um, but I, I, have, I, I have a great opportunity here training and coaching, um, and uh, I, I just I enjoy competing. So Steve and I have talked about it, and I wrestle in all the major, uh, I wrestle in all the major U.S. events. So I wrestle obviously the U.S. Open where you have to play top five to qualify. I wrestle NYC and I wrestle the Schultz um, this year. And then, uh, uh, you know, hopefully qualify for the Olympic trials and then make another run at it. Um, but I, yeah, I just enjoy competing. And, and as I coach, I feel like the more I, the more I try to teach people, the more I pick up on the mistakes I make myself. Um, and so it's, it's a, it's definitely going to be different in training full time. Um, but I'm, I'm ready to embrace that opportunity and see where it takes me. We look at the dynamic of the coaching staff. Things have changed. Of course, that's one thing people are going to want to know about. Uh, you know, Daryl Thomas is in his, you know, second full year on the staff, then you've come on uh, as an assistant coach. Steve Blyes, who recently, you know, finished his career at the University of Minnesota, has come on as a volunteer assistant. And that means we had to say goodbye to two assistants. Steven Rodriguez has decided to make a, a career change and he's headed out, I believe, to work in in the private world, as we say in wrestling. And and move out to Colorado while Chris McCotty has had success at the the amateur MMA level. He's going to turn pro, and then he's headed back to his native California. And while you didn't have a whole lot of time to to cross paths with with Steve Rodriguez, uh, you know what what do you remember most about Chris McCotty? Oh, Chris is awesome. Super high energy, uh, a go getter when it comes to work ethic. And uh, since he was he was training while he was here, right, getting ready to fight and do all those things, he, he was a great example of just work ethic for the guys in the room. You know, because he was always getting his extra workouts in on top of the team workouts, making sure he was ready for his fight. Um, and so he was just a great role model and a, a guy that the, the guys on the team could look up to when it came to work ethic. And then he was always super high energy when he was in the room. Um, tech, technical wizard, knows a lot about a lot of different positions. Um, and then he was a great workout partner. I think he was Larry Early's main workout partner this year. Um, and so he just, he brought, he, he brought a lot to the table and, you know, um, and made made a lot of these guys better, and and then showed them the way too with his work ethic. Um, and I think he's going to carry that on wherever he goes, and he's going to accomplish some big things when he turns pro. Steve Blyes comes in. He started his career at Northern Illinois, and then finished up at Minnesota. Larry actually wrestled him at the NCAA Championships, which is kind of an interesting thing. But uh, you know, you guys are both from Michigan here too. So uh, you know, is, is there a, is there a relationship with Steve Blyes going back in the day? Right, so I actually didn't know him uh, that well uh, coming out, but I got to know him a little bit actually when college started. Um, my longtime rival and actually friend Sean Scott was on his team for a little bit at Northern Illinois, and then um, I got to, I got to talk with Steve a little bit in passing every now and then. Um, and then when when he transferred to Minnesota, we got to talk a little bit too more when uh, uh, we would wrestle Minnesota, and we had we had that Michigan connection. Um, and then obviously now that he's on staff, he, he hasn't moved down to Virginia just yet, but, um, we, you know, we've had conversations and stuff that dude loves the sport of wrestling. It just loves, it loves everything about it. And it, it's going to be a lot of fun to work with him just because he has a, he has a real passion for the sport. Yeah. He's definitely going to make the trainer's table a lot more interesting because as an athlete at Minnesota, he was braced up, he was taped up, he was stitched up. 
Uh, you want to talk about Chris McCotty talking about be you know you know kind of a, a role model when it comes to work ethic. You want to talk about a role model and becoming just a bruiser in the walking wounded. That's Steve Blyes. Oh yeah. Uh, so I don't know if I'm. I don't want to blow up his spot, but I'm pretty sure he wrestled the national tournament with torn rot- rotator cuff, uh, labrum, and bicep tendon, which he just got. He just got fixed up. But yeah, that's what that big brace was on. Yeah, he he was he was wrestling injured, pushed through it, found a way, and I mean he's still around as well. Um, so that that speaks a lot to his character. He's wrestling out there with a blown out shoulder and still finding ways to beat some of the best guys in the country. Now we we go back and, and talk about you know you've had uh, your share of injuries in in your career and you know that kind of takes a toll on you as an athlete. How do you kind of recover from that now that you've got a position, you know, where where you're leading kids, you're you're coaching. Right. Yeah. Injuries happen, and, and whether it's a freak accident or or you know, it ha- it's gradual over time. It happens. And, and so, I mean, and with, and with my situation, I wasn't able to wrestle. Um, and then, but, and so I don't know how to talk to a guy if, if a situation like that happens, but, um, and, and then there's Steve who obviously, you know, was able to wrestle with his injury and he found a way. And so obviously if you're, if you're able to wrestle and you want to try it, then by all means, we we know what to do um, to get you through. Uh, my junior year, I broke my hand at the national tournament, um, and thank goodness our trainer knew someone who could hook me up with a, a numbing shot, and uh, we, we figured it out. And I, I wrestled the the blood round, and then the rounds after that with a broken hand. Brett Farr snapped me on my face, and my hand took the blunt of that snap. But um, yeah, well, you you sometimes you just got to figure it out. I don't think anyone's ever healthy at that tournament. Uh, like Yanni won a national title on a torn ACL, right? So no one's ever healthy there. So I think having guys who have wrestled that tournament injured, it, it helps just to let them know that hey, everyone's injured, whether whether it's taped or not. Everyone there is hurt. Did you have any discussions when you were you were in the room at Michigan that, that last year about about the MAC, about Old Dominion, and kind of maybe the misconceptions that maybe the bigger programs have about uh, you know the mid majors like ODU? Uh, what do you mean by that? Well, I mean you know people always look at I guess from a fan standpoint. You know, a lot of the 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 focus is on the Big Twelve, the the upper half of the EIWA, and, and the Big Ten. And you know, Missouri had been you know kind of leading the way in the MAC. And you know, some people look at the the smaller conferences, you know, maybe not being as tough. Uh, was there was there anything that you kind of taught the guys in in the Michigan room about coming through the MAC and coming through Old Dominion? Right. Yeah. So um, I was I, one of the years we had almost as many qualifiers coming out like at my weight class out of the MAC. I think we had six. Big Ten only had like eight um, coming out of 97. And so um, I was a big proponent, and it doesn't matter where you wrestle. So it's like these guys are going to be tough, right? We're all Division One for a reason. Um, and, you know, that we're going to come and, and everyone's going to try to punch you in the mouth when they tell that line. So, um, and, and I don't think, uh, like, at least from the wrestling room that I was in, Michigan didn't have that ego where they were they were better than everyone. Um, our coaches, our coaching staff did a really good job of keeping us focused there on, on uh, you know taking everyone seriously and every match was important, um, but I, I, I have seen from the from the fan standpoint, Big Ten or bust when it comes to uh, toughness. But uh, I, as an athlete and coach's standpoint, I, I've never seen it uh, from that side. Well, it's also now an interesting dynamic to look at the makeup of the coaching staff. Of course, Steve Martin wrestled at Iowa. Daryl Thomas wrestled at Illinois. Steve Blyes wrestled at Minnesota. You wrestled at Michigan. So every coach on the staff has Big Ten athletic experience. So there's a plus right there. Right. Yeah, we get it. And, and so I think, uh, especially Steve, Steve and I, we, uh, Steve Blythe, we, we, we have the best of both worlds where we've wrestled 
in the in the small conference and we wrestled in the big conference, and we can kind of pull from those experiences and and make it the best of both worlds for the guys on our team. Part of that is also the element of recruiting because there's always you know the the, the MAC now expands from. You know, I, I think, you know, Western, you know, you know, maybe Nova Scotia to California for all I know for in actuality, it spans from, you know, Pennsylvania out to uh, to to Missouri with with the way that uh, the, the, the league is set up and, you know, with bringing in the EWL and there's there's going to be a lot more battles in, in Pennsylvania and Ohio for, for these teams as the MAC has expanded. And, you know, what are your thoughts about the MAC expansion and, and how your your experience and Steve's experience on staff is? is going to help with the recruiting game, knowing that, that you guys are right there, the kids' age, uh, you're going to be right there. You know what they're going through. Yeah, so I, I think this us merging with EWL is huge. And like you said, one on a recruiting standpoint, because we, I mean, we, we want to recruit guys that, you know, up and, up and down the East Coast into Pennsylvania. Um, and then now it's going to be really easy for us to say, hey, we're going to have you, we're going to have you competing in front of your home, home crowd uh, more than a lot of these other schools. Um, and then it just it, it's going to give our, our guys more opportunities to qualify for the national tournament. We're I think we're the second biggest conference now behind the Big Twelve um, in terms of uh, number of schools, uh, which which should uh, just by pure volume should increase the number of qualifiers you get out of the conference. Um, and, and so you're going to have more opportunities to make it to the tournament. Um, and, and we're we're probably not going to catch the Big Ten still. They're probably still going to hit um, high numbers in the 70s, right? But I think we, we we should be competing with the Big 12 in terms of numbers number of qualifiers, which is which is huge, right? When you're recruiting guys, they want to know that they have an opportunity to make it to the national tournament because uh, anything can happen once you get there. One thing I do want to bring up, it's something you didn't have an opportunity to do while at Old Dominion. You did have that opportunity while at Michigan. It's kind of a kind of a tangent a little bit from what we were talking about recruiting in the MAC, but you had the opportunity to beat an Iowa Hawkeye in Carver Hawkeye Arena. Just just talk about that experience for a little bit. Yeah, um, and that was that was a big seller uh, when I when I was going through the process uh, of, of transferring and finding a grad school that was the right fit for me. Is, um, and Sean just talked about it. He said not not many guys have the opportunity to go into going to Carver and, and beat a Hawkeye. And you know, and and I, I I touched on it in some interviews before on how I dreamed of wrestling in Carver, um, but I don't think I could have written the script for what actually happened in that dual meet. I don't think I could have written it better than how it turned out. Uh, you know, dual meet kind of came down to Coon and I in the back half of our lineup. Um, if I win, you know, we're probably going to win the duel because Adam Coon's a hard guy to take out. And if I lose, Coon's going to have to pin Sam Stoll, which is, you know, also very tough. It's kind of a hard thing to do. I mean, that guy's huge. Yeah, both the guys were undefeated going into that match. And I think Coon ended up winning like 3-1 to or 3-2. So if I'd have lost, Coon needed a fall probably would have been been quite the stretch. Um, And so, and maybe, I don't even know if a fall would have done it. I think we only won by two, even with me winning. So a fall might not have done it had I lost. Um, So, anyways, I don't think I could have written that script better. You know, I had a target on my back against the guy I was wrestling. It was Cash Wilkie, the guy I'd beaten the blood round the year before. Um, So, that was unbelievable, and it was was a great experience, great opportunity. I've never wrestled in front of more hostile fans in my entire life. I don't think I've ever been booed so hard. It was so much fun. Yeah, that was was an incredible experience. I mean that's that's one of those fan bases that that even puts your dad kind of neutralizes his his vocality. <laughs> yeah, my dad's loud and he likes to yell, but uh, uh, and he probably was yelling at those fans after I won. But 
Uh, I, I definitely couldn't hear them. That's for sure. I, they, those boos were uh, those boos were pretty incredible. Yeah, I just still think the whole the whole scenario behind it was interesting because it was you know you you had you dropped a couple matches and there's 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 Cash Wilkie, the guy. Yeah, as you said, you had beaten. Well, he was the last guy into the tournament. You, you wrestle him to, to place with the broken hand. I mean, it was like okay, you you were like not the favorite on paper, but you were the favorite on paper. It was just a weird scenario on how all that came to came to be. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, it was super weird, right? Yeah, I think I was ranked seventeenth at the time. I had taken some bad losses. I think he was ranked fifth. He, he only was out like one or two losses on the year. I just won Midlands. Um, yeah, so he, he was on a, a upward tra- trajectory. I was kind of on a downslope and. And uh, yeah, just weird how it all played out. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> you know, up until the injury, that was that the turning point for that season. It seemed like it, it seemed like you really started ramping it up after that. Yeah, and so I mean, wrestling's hard, man, and 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 especially when you have that target on your back. If you don't, I wasn't I wasn't doing the best with my weight management. I wasn't doing the best with my 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 extra conditioning cause my, and my weight control was just kind of it was tough. It, that that last year took a toll on me. Um, and, uh, I was just struggling early on and, and I started to figure it out and I really turned it on at the big 10 tournament. Um, but wrestling's really hard and all those guys, I was, I was an all American. So every time I stepped on the mat, I was getting someone the best. Right? I think at one point I was ranked second in the country. A couple guys, a couple other guys had taken losses and, um, uh, yeah, every time you tell that line, whether you're on a losing streak or not, these guys are ready to kill you and they're, you're getting their best every single time, especially when you have the AA next to your name. So, uh, yeah, it made it difficult, and I was wrestling some young killers, like uh, Eric Schultz from Nebraska, who was unranked at the time, but I think he got ranked as high as fifth this past year. Um, yeah, that dude, I was up like six to two, and he tried to like make my lungs fall out of my chest. So, yeah, some of those dudes, yeah, they came at me hard. <laughs> when it comes to finishing up, you know, the coursework. I mean, what is you know, a lot of people look at. You know, a master's degree is like okay, it's a way for me to keep competing. Some people don't even finish it in, in that respect, and you know, people like use it to transfer. I know there's a situation within the Big Ten that uh, there may or may not be a national champion looking to transfer to a Big Ten school, looking <laughs> to get a master's degree. But when 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 let's talk about the actual coursework that goes involved with it. I spent seven years as an undergrad. There is no freaking way I'm going to go back okay. to school to get a master's degree. But explain what it's like to to be working on a master's degree as a Division one athlete. Yeah, so it's nice. Uh, NCAA kind of understands exactly what you're talking about. So as a as an undergrad, you have to be 12 credits per semester to be full-time. Um, and then as a master's student, you only have to be nine credits to be considered full-time. Uh, so I was in nine credits uh, both semesters while I was wrestling. So it was only in – and so all my classes were three-credit classes. Um, so I was only in three classes per semester, which made it a little bit easier. But it was still pretty tough. Um the coursework was difficult. Um, all my classes were it was one class a week, three hours long each. So I was only in I was only in class three times a week, uh, but three hour sessions. Um, and and it, it was uh, it it was a lot of working with groups, right? Getting you ready for for the real world where you're working in teams, trying to solve problems. Uh, and that made it a little difficult because I traveled a lot. Uh, we were on the road a lot, and and so it was tough, but. Um, it's just one of those things where it was important to me, um, so I, I just I made it a priority, and, and maybe that's why why my weight goes. I struggled a little more with my weight because I focused real hard on school. But um, no excuses. It was a lot of fun, and, and I'm really glad that I did it. I understand Ann Arbor's a good food town, though. Oh my goodness! And I, so uh, the, the other thing was I was living with guys who weren't wrestling. So I went I went from living with Mikey Hayes and Jack Deco, who are uh, like 
one Mikey uh, is one. He still has a six pack. Jack and Mikey both still are shredded. Not even wrestling anymore. They just they eat so clean. Um, and then at that time they were uh, they were training and eating clean, right? So I was living with guys who were wrestling and, and on the same schedule as me. And then I went to live in with two guys who were graduated um, and not wrestling, right? And that's and that was good because as a grad student, I, I, I was it was nice to live with people who had real jobs and and they were kind of focused on on adult life versus undergrad life. Um, but it made it a little difficult cause they, uh, you know, they also, they would eat out a little more. And if I didn't feel like cooking, I could always eat out cause someone wanted to eat out. Uh, versus, you know, when I lived with Jack Deco and Mikey Hayes, they were never eating out. They're always cooking. So if I wanted to eat out, I would have to go by myself. So it's like, you know what? I might as well cook. But when I lived with those guys in Michigan, they were, they were like, Hey, we're going to go to Applebee's if you want to go. And I'm looking at that frozen chicken breast i'm like you know what i guess i'll go to applebee's try to find something healthy and so it uh you know it tested my discipline a little bit and you know i started to figure it out towards the end of the year but early on yeah it tested my discipline for sure what was the happiest thing you were able to eat when you got back to hampton roads uh so there's uh sam's texas sub shop it's on Cali. um jack and jack would go there once a week chris mccotty and jack both have their picture up on the wall there. Um, we were we frequented into that place quite a bit when we were undergrads. Um, they know us by name. Uh, she still tells the best story about Steve. Everyone knows how he's he's quite intense. Coach Martin is a pretty intense guy. Um, most people he talks to, he, you know, like they refer to him kind of like uh, um, barking at him a little bit, you know. And, and so, but she tells the story of when uh, he brought his mom in there, and she said she didn't recognize him. When he ordered, he she said he's never she's never seen him so polite. She he asked her to to take a picture of him and his mom, and uh, yeah, she tells a pretty funny story about that, which is really cool. Yeah, I'm on I'm on the map here. I'm on Google Maps, seeing exactly where this place is because I don't believe it was around. Yeah, it wasn't around when I was there, but I do see a name that was around when I was there, and that's Kogan's. So uh, may not oh, yeah. be the same location, but definitely. Uh, I remember going to Kogan's a time or two. Oh, Kogan's Pizza. Yeah, that's a pretty good spot, too. That, I think that spot is – they redid that spot. They added to the roof. And well, the Kogan's you might be talking about when you were there, that was that more closer to Ghent? Yeah, that, well, I, yeah, that was too. that was more – I was actually probably closer to – gee, I would say it's – I mean, it was – it was uh, yeah, uh, off 21st more than it was anything else now that I think about it. But it was in uh, – it was kind of more closer to campus on the edges of Ghent than it was actually uh, in the neighborhood you're at right there. So, yeah, like I said, it's been a while since I've been to that part of town. But uh, yeah, I, I, like I said, I had to I had to look up things because Max Barge was the oh, yeah, old uh, as old that's O'Sullivan's. That. So yep, O'Sullivan. Yeah, yeah so yeah, Kogan's yeah, was a... was definitely on another spot. So I see what used now. See now I'm I'm looking at what used to be there. I'm on the map. This is bad podcasting for you. So let's see. <laughs> There's PJ's 19th hole. I think. Well, or if it's still there or not, I don't know. I can't see it on the map. That's that was a bad spot. But the Max Barge was O'Sullivan's Wharf. And when Mike Dixon first got the job, I'm going to interject a story here because you had to work out with Dixon a lot. Oh, yeah. That O'Sullivan's Wharf was one where a buddy of mine played quite a bit. So we went there you know, for you know, things you did in college, but they had a trash can lid of nachos. And Dixon is the only human being on this earth I have ever seen eat the entire trash can lid of nachos by himself. <laughs> so that being which said... Is, which is crazy, because that dude is one of the cleanest eaters I've ever been around. I, so I, it's hard for me to believe. Yeah, well, this would have been like 2005-ish. So uh, Okay. Yeah, if you think about that... See, now I'm going to go back to Google Maps again. I'm just curious if PJ's is still there. Oh, uh, yeah, PJ's is still there. We won't, we won't talk about that. 
Because you know what PJs means, right? Poor judgment. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so as we're getting back on back on task here, because if any recruits are listening to this, they're, they're going to be curious what we're talking about. But I want to shift that to recruiting. We've got Fargo coming up here, uh, which is the the one of the biggest wrestling tournaments in the world. We're going to have probably 5,000 athletes across six divisions. Uh, you know, the age group names have changed. It's still juniors and well, cadets, 16U, but you'll be out there recruiting. Steve Martin will be out there recruiting. Steve Blyze will be out there coaching with Team Michigan. Daryl Thomas will be out there coaching with Team Illinois. And for those who have never experienced Fargo, what's it like for you? Uh, hey, this is awesome. This is going to be the first time I've been back since uh, I wrestled there my senior year. Uh, but it's a, it's quite the experience. And for when you're there your first time, it's a little overwhelming. Um, especially because I, I knew all about Fargo going in. Um, but I love that tournament. You get to go and scrap in the international styles with some of the best guys in the country. and It's a great place to make a name for yourself. If, you, if, if, if you know, you're not really on the, anyone's radar and you go and you can knock off some really good guys and, and, and give yourself an opportunity to be recruited, which is really cool, um, you know, because you, you, there's, there's a good chance you're going to run into someone good while you're out there. You know, it's it's one of those things that wrestling on that stage, you've wrestled on that, that raised stage. You know what it's like to go out there and be in a final. And compare that to college wrestling. What's it like to, to, to wrestle Division One or, or to wrestle under the lights in Fargo? Right, yeah. I think that I think that prepares you, gets you ready because most of these most of these dual meets, um, especially while I was at OU, we we were top twenty in attendance. Um, we averaged eight hundred and five while I was here. So most of those matches you were one on one in front of you know, an average of 805 people. Uh, so, it, it, and that's kind of what Fargo feels like. You get that spotlight on you. You know, there's other matches going on, other placement matches, but it doesn't feel like it. It feels like it's just you and that guy wrestling in front of that whole crowd, uh, which is pretty cool. And, yeah, I think it gets you kind of ready. You're wrestling someone else. If you're in the finals, you're, probably, you're wrestling someone else. You're probably going to be wrestling D1 too. Um, and, you know, one of my finals, I wrestled Sammy Brooks in the finals on one of them. He was, he was all right in college. Not <laughs> um, bad. Probably the best sound bite of the last four or five years after his Big Ten title. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely one of the best sound bites. And so, uh, yeah, and so you're you're wrestling another stud in front of a bunch of people, and you know, you know, anxiety is high, and 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 excitement is high, and, and you just get to let it fly, which is pretty cool. The dynamic of recruiting on the road. And what's what's the one thing that you're? I mean, you're going through this really for the first time. What what are your expectations when you're you're going to be now the from the kid that was getting all the calls as as a highly ranked high school senior to uh, the guy making calls, trying to pitch people through Big Ten country? That uh, yeah, this school near the beach is the place for you to go. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I mean, my goal right now is just to start developing really good relationships, and uh, you know, let these guys know that I'm going to be there for them, and that. You know this this process is hard, and and while it, while it's a lot of fun, it's difficult. You know because you gotta you gotta find the right spot that that's home for you, um, and, and that is a fit for you where you think you can win a national title. And we don't have we don't we haven't had a national champion, and you know we have a guy on our team who who very well could this year. You know he's gonna he has he has the only win, um, only returning win over the guy who's gonna be ranked number one. Um, and so we have a guy who has a chance, but we're still looking for our first one. Um, and so, you know, we're looking for that guy to be the face of our program. And, and, you know, that's my thing is just starting, starting to build some relationships and let these guys know that you don't have to go big 10 to, to uh, make, make a name for yourself. You can make a name for yourself other places. And, and I think I'm a pretty darn good coach and hopefully I can show that. And, 
and uh, you know, and I also want to create a little pipeline, uh, you know, to get some Michigan, more Michigan guys coming. Um, you know, we have Michigan is a pretty darn good state uh, for wrestling, um, and so if I can steal some of those guys uh, from the state, start getting them down to work with me and Blythe, uh, you know, have a little Michigan connection, that'd be cool, especially to to pair with DC's or DT's Illinois connection. Um, you know, get that little Midwest pipeline, that'd be cool. Yeah, especially again, it is one of the closest spots to a beach. I think Cal Poly's close, and I think the Citadel's close, and those are two uh, very different atmospheres than, than ODU. That's very for sure. different. Yeah, very <laughs> different atmospheres. Yeah, we we got we got the best of both worlds here. You go twenty miles towards the water, you're on a beach, kind of city life, um, and then you go you go the other direction. You go twenty miles towards Chesapeake, and you do some hunting and fishing. So uh, you can you, you got the best of both worlds. We, we're not. We can offer just about anyone, and from all different arrays of backgrounds, we we got we got it covered, which is pretty unique. You know, I don't know, I don't know too many places where you can go twenty miles one direction and you're hunting deer, and then twenty miles the other direction during a nice little windstorm, you can catch a surf. So I think that's pretty unique. Man, you have already rec- you know memorized the recruiting handbook right there. That's that's pretty good <laughs> stuff. You didn't even have, I mean, you're not even a month on the job and you got this down. <laughs> yeah, I've, uh, I, I was. I, I did a little bit of recruiting while I was while I was on uh, while I was on campus here. You know, I was I was quite the I was quite the host. I think I think I think my record as a host. I think I was like fifteen and two. Steve gave me a guy and said, "Hey, go get him." Um, I got fifteen. I had two guys not come, but one of my two one of the, one of the two has an asterisk next to it. So it was, it was Brooks Clemens was one of the guys that uh, I didn't get when he came on his recruiting trip, but then he ended up coming anyway. So that, that 15 and two has an asterisk next to it. Yeah. I mean, you could go 1.5 on that. Cause, cause then Brooks yeah. left and then he finished up. Uh, he was actually an all American this past year at Bruton Parker in the NAIA. So uh, just a little yep. full yeah. circle on as his old Twitter handle was my man Brooks or something like that. That was, that was actually yeah, pretty good. Yeah. my man Clemens, I think there's yep. something like that. Now speaking of Twitter, you're at K underscore Beasley 24. Uh, you are going to be fighting your dad for the Coach B's moniker here soon. But uh, as we talk to coaching, where where do you see long term? I mean, do you want to coach college? Do you want to be a Division One head coach? Where do you see uh, this going as a career path? Yeah, I, I, I want to be a Division One head coach, and so um, I'm, I'm in a great spot to learn. I'm, I'm picking some stuff up fast. We do a lot of unique things here. That's helping me learn really quickly. Um, and Steve is Steve trusts me, so he's he's putting a lot on my plate. Which I really appreciate, um, which is really, and he knows that I, he knows my goals, and so he, he's pushing me, and uh, giving me a lot of things to, to really help help me learn, which which I appreciate. So yeah, goal goal is to be a Division One head coach eventually. I have a lot to learn for sure, but um, that's that's the end goal for, for me. And what are some things now as it relates to the team we got coming back? Pretty pretty solid roster coming back. Should be. Uh, knocking on the door of the top 20 in terms of the dual meet rankings and, and the tournament points because there is some firepower when it comes to the national tournament that is going to be in the lineup. But what do you think you bring most to the staff? Where do you think you can help the current guys on the team kind of jump levels and, and you know break through to that next level? Yeah, I'm excited for this team. I'm really excited for this team. Um, we have a lot of talent uh, up and down the board. Uh, and then I think, I, I think just uh, uh, talking with these guys, I can – I'm going to take over. I think Chris McCarty did a really good job of developing relationships with them and, and getting to know what makes them tick. Uh, and I think, I think that's where, where I fit in is help just developing some relationships and, 
and finding ways to motivate these guys and, and, and continue to, to work on what makes them tick. Not everyone's the same, right? Not everyone responds to the same type of motivation. And so I, I'm, I'm just working on getting to know these guys right now um, and, and learning what's going to make them tick, what, I, what I'm going to need to say to them uh, to get them to go to the next level in that match when they need it. Because uh, because everyone knows, you know, you need that coach that can that can get you fired up when you need it. Um, and so I'm just working. I'm trying to figure our guys out right now. We got a good group, and they're a lot of fun. They work hard, um, and and yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun this year. Who are you most excited to work with one on one? I realize that you know you got to coach all all the guys, but is is there anybody that you're just kind of waiting to get your hands on now that you've had a couple years away and you maybe have some uh, some old man strength coming to you? <laughs> yeah, well, it's crazy. I mean, speaking of that, when you when I graduated, it's the craziest thing. As soon as I got back on the mat, I thought I was ten times better. As soon as that pressure's off to where you have to win and you got to do it in a short amount of time, as soon as that's gone, it's like, oh wow, this wrestling stuff is so much different. It's easier. It's, it's the craziest thing. Um, I'm like so much better at folk style than I was when I was actually wrestling folk style. But um, Alex Kramer, um, incoming freshman, he uh, I, I got to drill. He was on campus a little bit getting ready for Fargo. Um, when we worked out, I got my hands on him a little bit. He reminds me a lot of Jack Decko, just the way he moves, the way he hand fights. And, and, and I know that's a high compliment, um, and so I don't want to put too much pressure on the kid. But, yeah, he reminds me a lot of Jack Decko. Um, and then, our, our, obviously, the 97-pounder is always going to have a little sweet spot in my heart, uh, you know, because I was a 97-pounder. But both Tim Young and River Henry, who was a heavyweight, was making his way down. Um, both of those guys, they work really hard. Um, they're picking stuff up fast. And... Uh, yeah, they're 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 fun to work with, and that could just be because 97 has a soft spot in my heart. Um, Will Hilliard is is heavyweight. He's picking my brain a lot too. He's always getting these extra workouts in, um, and then uh, yeah, all these guys, all these guys are working hard, so it's a lot of fun. All right, we're gonna wrap things up, but I am gonna I'm gonna lead off with a, a story that I'm gonna do in Fargo. So throughout the course of the week on the Mad Talk Podcast Network, I'm gonna be asking everybody what is their best slash favorite story from Fargo, and that doesn't necessarily mean Fargo itself. It might be for the old timers, Cedar Rapids or, or or Iowa City or Cedar Falls or Warrensburg, wherever it may be. So I, I'm gonna start off with you here on the ODU Wrestling Monarch Madcast. What is your favorite story from Fargo? Oh, uh, this is embarrassing. Um, my parents, my dad and my sister love to tell this. So my freshman year of high school, um, I wrestled 130, uh, and then I wrestled 40 in Fargo. And then this, my sophomore year of high school, I wrestled 160. So I, got, I was growing while we were going through the transition in Fargo, but I had already committed to wrestling 140. Um, and I was probably walking around that summer at about 65. So I was cutting from 65 to 40. Um, and it was pretty cold in Fargo that summer. I don't know if you remember. It was uh, the summer of 2009. It was pretty cold. Like within it was some some of the days, it was in the 50s. Um, and so I was outside running um, and trying to lose some weight, and I just couldn't sweat, couldn't get it off. My dad was heating up the car. We call it an MSU, a mobile sauna unit. Um, and I jumped in the back of his Yukon. It's all heated up. My sister's sitting in the front. I think she's in a bathing suit. The car was that hot. She's sitting in her bathing suit sweating. My dad's in shorts and the T-shirt. And I'm in the back, like, my sister, she, she loves to make fun of me to this day. I'm in the back like, about crying, begging my dad just to let me stop, let me stop. And he's like, I told you you could go 145. And, I, and I'm begging him, please don't make me ever do this again. And uh, and then a story after that is I just I never cut weight in Fargo after that. But, um, yeah, that was the, the worst summer of my life, I think, cutting to 140. I almost never went back to Fargo. 
Uh, I didn't do very well. Uh, thank goodness I, ke- I kept with it. <laughs> All right, so there's the leadoff. I'm wondering how many people are actually going to tell something embarrassing about themselves. You've set the bar pretty high in terms of self-deprecating <laughs> humor. So Coach Beasley, as as weird as that's going to be sounding for me, because I've been on tours with your dad as Coach Beasley, so uh, the next generation here back at Old Dominion. We'll see you in Fargo in a couple days. So, uh, hey, welcome back to the staff, man. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me. is part of the Matt Talk Podcast Network. For more wrestling podcasts, head over to matttalkonline.com.